2 Timothy 3 and verse 15. Apostle Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says to him, And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know, <clears throat> Christianity has the Bible as its truth source, as its word to actually enable it to live. And all through the ages, the attack has come upon the Bible. Uh, because if you can, if you can unseat uh, the, the truth of the Bible, then you can unseat Christianity. Uh, if you can actually attack it and go after it and, and tear it apart. And Christians all through these centuries have fought for the word. They have given their lives for the word. Uh, they have stood for the word. <clears throat> Many people have tried to destroy it and they have stood for it. And they have held on to it. And um, people have, have treasured the word and treasured the parchments that they had. But we live in a different age today. We live, live in a different age when the Bible is the bestseller of all time. There are more Bibles floating around today than there ever have been before. And something has happened, though, in Christianity. Because we've got more Bibles, but the truth is they're probably less read than they've ever been. Uh, we have Bibles, we have the Word there, and <clears throat> that is a dreadful blight upon not only us, but upon the world, upon society at large. Because the world needs the light of the Scripture. Somebody said that we have a growing problem with biblical illiteracy. Right? <clears throat> Not just with those in the world, but also in the church. Uh, <clears throat> George Gallup said this. He said, Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, they don't read it. And because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. Right? Now, that's talking about America, obviously. But you know what? It's not better in Ireland. <clears throat> Um, Americans do revere the Bible, but because they're not reading it, uh, they become a nation of biblical illiterates. Uh, some, some of the results of various sur surveys, and some of these are humorous, but they're all uh, terrible. Uh, how bad is it? Uh, fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. Many professing Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples. 60% of Americans can't uh, name even five of the Ten Commandments. 82% of Americans believe God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. And it'd be funny if we span off some, uh, <clears throat> some phrases uh, from popular culture for you, how many of you would say, yeah, oh, it's a Bible verse. You know, it's not, it's not a Bible verse at all. 12% um, <clears throat> of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. I thought that was funny, right? <laughs> I that was really humorous, right? A survey of graduating high school seniors re revealed that over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. <clears throat> a considerable number of respondents to one poll indicated that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. So <clears throat> what we've got is we've got a problem with biblical illiteracy. Now, <clears throat> obviously the antidote to it is for us to get into the Word and to dig in the Word. Um, but <clears throat> and listen, that's what we're trying to do as far as the preaching of the Word is concerned, that you get the Word. You know, but you know what? There's, there's absolutely nothing that's going to help you if you're not in the Word yourself. You're supposed to be in the Word yourself. It's not a chore. It's not a burden. It's not a religious duty. It's a joy and a blessing. And I want to encourage you with this last message of the year on a Sunday morning. Listen, get in the Word this year. Get in the Word. Begin to dig in the Word and begin to find truth for yourself and begin to find blessing there because that's where it is. 
Put yourself in the place where Christians uh, have always been. They love the Word. They want desperately the Word, and they spend time in the Word. So let's put ourselves in that place. Let me encourage you, though, and help you with that this morning. Let's bow for a word of prayer, though, before we start. Father, would you bless us as we look to your Word today? Would you help us, Lord? Uh, Lord, we desperately need your help. We need your hand. We need your, uh, <clears throat> you moving in our hearts and lives. And, Lord, we need you to make it real to us. And, Lord, I do realize, Lord, that, uh, <clears throat> you know, to learn a new habit, Lord, can be difficult. But, oh, Lord, the benefits and the blessings of it. Now, Lord, be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And <clears throat> let me just, just, just talk to you for a moment about that. Listen, what you need to do is learn, get in the habit of being in the Word. Listen, we all know what it is to get in a bad habit. It's hard to get rid of a bad habit, isn't it? You, know, you, you develop a bad habit, and it is hard to get rid of it. It, it. It's hard to just put it behind you and deal with it. You know what? <clears throat> when you develop a good habit, the same thing happens. You can get to the place where, you know, <clears throat> where not having your Bible time before you go out in the morning, you, you feel like, oh, man, this, this, I, I can't face this day without it. You, you can do that about church. Do you realize that? You can come to the place in your life where, listen, I, I have to be in church. If I'm not in church, I feel awful because I'm not in church. And those are good habits to get you into. Those are good habits to develop in your life. But <clears throat> they say, do you, you know how you develop a bad habit? You just do it and do it and do it and do it. And you do it and do it and do it and do it because it's pleasurable to you. <clears throat> you know, not many people have a problem uh, with the bad habit of banging their head off walls, right? <clears throat> you just don't take up habits because it's not very pleasant. I mean, you can, you can do it, but uh, it's not pleasant to you. But it's got to be pleasant to you. Now, what you've got to do is you've got to make the Word of God pleasant. It is pleasant. It is sweet. But you've got to make it that it's something that's, that's pleasant, something that you're enjoying doing each day. You've got to get to the place where you set some time aside for it, and this is your time for being in the Word. And we're expecting God to speak to you. We're expecting it to be real for you. Where you, where you know, listen, this is the living word. This is going to help you grow in your Christian life. This is going to help you be equipped for life. You've you got to get in your, in, your, in your heart a conviction that, like Paul said, it's profitable. It's good for you. This is going to help me. And then begin to move with it. And what you'll find is you can develop a good habit. I always remember Dr. Cedarholm. Uh, Dr. Cedarholm <clears throat> uh, would say, and I, I think it was 40 years that in 40 years he had not missed devotions for one day. And you say, that's incredible. Now, and listen, by the way, the man wasn't just doing it as religious duty. It was just life to him. God was his friend. And he was going to talk to God every day. And did. Now, we can be like that. That's not something that, that is just for a certain few people, you know. And the, the last thing I want to do is make you feel guilty about what's going on in your life as far as this past year is concerned, because that doesn't help you. What you need to understand is New Year's are this great opportunity for you to change things. Now, they don't change just because you decide in a church service, okay, that's great, I'm going to read through the Bible uh, this year, I'm going to really get into it. But they change because you make a decision, and then you begin to follow through on that decision. And I guarantee if you begin to follow through on it, you'll find, listen, it's not a chore, it's not a burden, it's a blessing. Christians of old... You know, the worst thing you could do to them was take their Bibles from them. <clears throat> Listen, it's, it's a sweet blessing to be able to spend time uh, in the Word. <clears throat> but biblical illiteracy, though, is a, is a poison. Uh, <clears throat> God's people have always been destroyed by a lack of knowledge. Look at me in Hosea chapter 4. Old Testament. Hosea, Joel, Amos. Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. 
Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. I should wait for you there. <clears throat> Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. God's got a problem with Israel because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. You know, God looks to us and he expects us to have truth, expects to have mercy, and he expects us to have a knowledge of him. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet shall also fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Now, <clears throat> here's what God's saying to the Old Testament uh, Israelite. He's saying, listen, you are in trouble with me because you are not looking to the word. You are in trouble with me because you don't know it. I, you are cursed because you don't know it effectively. Now, <clears throat> you know, there is a curse on our lives when we don't know the word. We need the word. We need the truth. We need the, uh, the law that is a, uh, a light unto our way and a lamp unto our feet. We, we need God to actually show us his way for us to follow him in these dark days. Because there are all kinds of voices coming at us. And we need his word. Um, Proverbs 29 verse 18 says that without a vision, the people perish. Now, that's not talking about, you know, just, I know people use that to, with the idea of, you know, you got to have a vision, you got to have a hope for tomorrow. The vision there is truth, revelation from God that it's talking about. And without the truth, the people perish. What happens is, you know, we just go backwards without truth. We need to be a, be a people a, a, of biblical truth. <clears throat> we make wrong choices when we don't have truth. We stumble. Uh, we don't know where to turn. Uh, <clears throat> we have no, no real direction or guidance in life and no true, true joy or peace in life. When we haven't got truth, we can't live full Christian lives. Now, <clears throat> it's impossible for us. We need truth to enable us to do it. <clears throat> How many lives are being destroyed? How many people are stumbling through life because they do not have the light of God's word guiding them? You know, it affects churches. You know, what's happened is in our day and age, because uh, truth is kind of considered to be tough and hard, uh, and people are not into truth and into heavy-duty scripture and all the rest of it, what's happened is everybody's backing, backing off on it. And I've heard more than one pastor say, well, listen, people can't take an hour-long sermon in this day and age. You know, people can't do that, and they can't take uh, <clears throat> uh, solid truth, and they can't take hard doctrine. But the problem is that if they don't have solid teaching and solid, tr solid truth, they don't know where to go with their lives. They stumble and fall in their lives. And so what you've got is you've got churches that are floundering, and the heart of the church no longer is the word of God and following God's way. The heart of the church has become, you know, the experience of church. I think you should have an experience, but the experience should be of God. But we need truth. There needs to be truth. Its effects on, on our society. <clears throat> our standards are morally skewed. Let me say this to you. Ireland was never a truly Christian country, country not, not since Patrick's time anyway. But we did have the guise of Christianity, and we had an understanding of morality as a country uh, that at least, you know, <clears throat> there, there were obviously deep problems in the society, but at least on the outside... 
There was people that were living according to some morality. They were living according to some truth. That no longer is true. You know, and without truth, our standards of morality are skewed uh, where good is evil and evil is good. That's what happens. Good becomes evil and evil becomes good. We slaughter the innocent and spare the guilty. That's abortion and capital punishment. Here's the Bible. Listen, the Bible, we're supposed to protect the innocent. We're supposed to protect babies. But our society at large, listen, <clears throat> uh, uh, they don't have a right. And what we'll do is we'll protect the life of somebody uh, who has taken somebody else's life and say, well, no, listen, we've we got to protect that life. That's skewed. That's just kind of back to front. Uh, <clears throat> we reward the wicked, movie stars, entertainers, and so on, uh, and deprive the good in our society, the people that are actually working for us and, and helping us. Uh, <clears throat> divorce is made easy. Adultery is looked upon lightly. Uh, it's not fornication. It's an affair or a relationship. Homosexuality is, a, is an alternative lifestyle, lifestyle. See the way our society has just kind of skewed things? Uh, morality is skewed. The effect of such things destroy our families and communities. Um, <clears throat> evil uh, is allowed to spread in the name of freedom and rips families apart. Children are deprived of the kind of parenting that is their God-given right. And what's happening is, because there's no truth in our society, our, our society is going downhill rapidly. Rapidly. Now, <clears throat> We come to us, and what are we supposed to be in our society? Well, we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be a preserving influence in our society. You know, we're not supposed to be just going along for the ride. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to have an impact upon our society. Now, that does not mean to say that everybody's going to listen to you, but your life in your speech, in your witness, ought to have the impact on society of at least letting them know there is another truth. There is another way. It's not all just the way society says that it is. Now, that starts for you, obviously, in being born again, but it grows in you as you come to know the Word of God. You see, we're not living by what we think is right. What we're doing is we're living according to scriptural principle, or we should be. But we need to know that principle. And very often, <clears throat> you know, we've got a hazy impression of it. But we don't have the reality of the truth settled in our hearts. And <clears throat> you need the Word of God. We need to be a biblical people, a people that are living by the truth, raising families by the truth, and affecting our society by the truth. We need to be a people of biblical principle. Now, <clears throat> let me give you... Seven reasons I've written down here. By the way, I have 75. I won't give you all the 75 this morning, all right? That would, that would take us a while. But I have seven reasons that I've written down why you should read through the Bible in the year 2013. Right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> First of all, it gives you a knowledge of who God is. A knowledge of who God is. You know, listen, when every one of you came to Christ, what happened for you is you came to Christ with a preconceived notion of who God was. Is that true? You come, to God, you come to Christ with an idea of who God is. Now, what happens is the notion that you have of who God is has been gleaned from all kinds of places, but typically not from the Scriptures. You know, it might have been gleaned from your church. And your church, because it isn't based upon the Scripture, had a skewed perception of who God was. Oftentimes, it's, it's, it's gleaned from our relationship with parents. And subtly, we've got this picture of God that's based upon a parent, and parents are fallible. Parents get it wrong. Some get it dreadfully wrong. 
But you, you come to Christianity with an impression of who God is, an impression of who this God that you serve is. Where are you going to get a true idea of who God is? From the Bible. Yes, there's a relationship with him, but that relationship is based upon what he tells you in the Bible, what he tells you in his word about who he is. And so we start reading through the Bible and we come across these dreadful things in the Bible and we go, oh, I don't, don't like that. You know, you know I, that, 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 that's hard to take and we, and we skim over it. No, we don't skim over it. That's what God's telling us about himself. He's telling us something about himself. God is revealing himself to us in the scriptures. You know, there are several strands to this revelation, but there is the revelation of who God is in the scripture. You know, if you begin to read through the Old Testament and begin to look at it, you'll find this God is righteous and holy and just, and he's kind of ruthless about it. So that when things go wrong, God deals with it. Well, that's not the popular impression of who God is in our day and age, is it? And people... You know, tend to follow the popular impression. But when you come to the Word of God and you begin to, to, to read through the pages of the Bible, you begin to see a picture of God. Now listen, He's all good because He's all love. But you know what? He's not just love. There's a whole bunch of other things going on as far as God is concerned too. And what you do is when you read your Bible is you're reading your Bible to find out about who it is. You know, we'll say, we'll, we'll say you were involved in a relationship and somebody in that relationship wrote you a long letter telling you about themselves. You would read it so that you could know them better. You would read it to learn more about them. That's what you're doing when you're looking at the scripture. You're actually getting to know who God is. And who God is to you is critical to the way you're going to live your life. It's a critical issue. You know, it's something that needs to be addressed in your heart and in your life because if you've, if you've got the wrong impression and you're flying on the wrong impression, what's going to happen is, listen, you're going to run aground because we serve a God who has told us who he is and told us how he operates. And when we actually go through the scripture from cover to cover, we get, <clears throat> you know, this, 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 this wide picture of who it is that we're serving. We see all these facets of his character. You know, somebody said, I love the Psalms. Listen, I love the Psalms too. The Psalms will teach you a lot about God. But there's a lot of things the Psalms won't teach you about God too. A lot of things you won't actually see in the Psalms. You know, you, you need the rest of it. See, the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All of it's given by inspiration. So you need all of it. I need all of it. You know, Paul said, I have not shown to declare unto you <coughs> the full counsel of God. All that God says. Paul actually took him. Paul, Paul declared all of the counsel of God. We need all of it. We need the full picture of who our God is. Listen, you won't be led astray by some cult if you've got a real picture of who God is. Now, what I'm talking about here is theology. And theology is basically your picture of who God is. You, you, you can have long books and long letters after your name because you're a theologian, but every one of you is a theologian. The problem is you're either a correct theologian based upon what the scripture says or what you are is, listen, you're, <clears throat> you're an, a, a theologian that's in error with a wrong picture of who God is. But <clears throat> you need to go through the scripture. You need, you need to let it soak into you. You need to get an impression of who God really is. Secondly, it gives you a sense of the big picture. 
You know, it's amazing how often I come to the Word of God uh, and my petty problems are uppermost in my mind. And oftentimes God in His mercy will deal with my petty problem uh, in the issue of the Scripture that I'm reading. But you know something God always does? He always shows me the bigger picture. I always come away from my Bible time thinking, you know what, my problems aren't as big a problem as I thought they were. Because what you've done is you've, you know, you've, you've seen what the wonderful God of heaven is doing and how he's doing things. And, you know, <clears throat> yeah, uh, things kind of come into perspective for you. You're reading in my devotions where God is actually confronting Job in Job chapter 40. And God, Job is saying, Job, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do the other? And what's happening is he's actually confronting Job with, you know, Job thinking in, in some sense at least that he had a right to demand of God. And God is saying, hang on a minute. We're not equals, Job. We're not equal. I'm God. You, you can't come near the things I can do. And you know what? That thought's helpful to me. That thought's, because you know what? <clears throat> Listen, he's in charge of it and I'm not. And reading about it, I'm kind of happy that he's in charge and I'm not. But it gives us <clears throat> a sense of the big picture. Uh, it puts your picture and your life in perspective. You know, listen, you're only going to live here for a short time and then you're going to go to be with him. But we've got to keep that in mind. We kind of think we're immortal when we're, invo- when we're involved in the cut and thrust of living. We kind of think like we're going to go on and on. We're not. None of us will. But when I, when I actually see the big picture, I begin to understand, hang on a minute, there's something much bigger than what I'm doing, than where I'm going, than what's going on in my life. Right? Number three, it builds your faith. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, uh, said this. He said, he prayed for faith to increase. He asked God to increase his faith, and nothing happened. And then he started reading the Bible, and his faith increased. See, Romans ten seventeen says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That when you begin to read the word of God, your faith begins to increase. Now, what basically is your faith? faith your, your faith is your trust in this God that you serve. Your dependence upon him. You're looking to him. You're, you're depending upon him. And, and you know, it's also got this idea of being comfortable depending upon him. And you get comfortable depending upon him. Oftentimes Christians operate with very little faith. You know, we're Christians, we're going to heaven, we've got church and we've got the Bible, but you know, we live life like we've got to make it all happen. And what happens as we read the scripture is we, we begin to come to the place where, listen, we can trust him. We can depend upon him. You see, you see the promises of God. And then you see him gloriously fulfilling them. And your jaw drops open and you think, whoa. You know, you see an army gathered against an army that's, that's twice its size and there's no possible way they can win. And then you see God stepping in and dealing with the issue. You see David and Goliath. Do you ever wonder how that, <clears throat> how that little stone went so deep into the giant's head that it killed him? Now listen, I think, I think David was an excellent, excellent with a slingshot. I think he was... He was Pretty accurate, but you know what? I think there was more than David involved in that slingshot. You know, and what we do is we look at the things God does and we, and we learn to trust him because you know, we just sung the song, yesterday, today, forever. Jesus is the same, but he is. And what was written in the Old Testament was written, Romans chapter 15 tells us, for our encouragement that we would look back and we would say, yeah, listen, God did it then, he can do it again. And you see, it brings us to the place of living Christianity supernaturally. 
What I mean by that is I mean that we're not living Christianity just based upon what we can do. We're living Christianity on the plane, on the level where we're expecting God to do great things. It's not down to me in the end. It's not down to you in the end. It's down to what God can do. And listen, if, if your Christianity is not that, your Christianity is below par, way below par. It's not, a, it's not a matter of, you know, you doing the best you can with this Christianity thing. It's a matter of you coming to the place where, listen, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to expect him to work miracles in it. And you come to tithing and you say, I haven't got it. I can't afford it. It's after Christmas. It's this, it's that. It's... But you know what? Faith is trusting that he's going to take care of me. Faith is, in fact, recognizing that he is taking care of me. And we do it anyway. And listen, when we trust God... <clears throat> And we look to his word and we see him doing it in the word. You know, <clears throat> listen, what we see, we look at it and our faith grows. And we begin to trust him more. And always remember that when it comes down to it, faith is the key issue as far as your relationship with God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. That you can't please him apart from faith. So it's not like you can have a Christianity that's thriving and growing without your faith being growing. And, and don't have a second-hand faith. You know, maybe a second-hand faith. Second-hand faith is, you know, you're, you've read stories about what, what, what God did for other people and you're depending upon that. No, listen. You need a first-hand faith. You need to be trusting God to do in your life today. This week, are there problems? Well, aren't there? Of course there are. There are problems. There are difficulties. There are issues in, in your lives. God does not want you just working out on your own how you're going to fix it. He wants you trusting Him. He wants you depending upon Him, letting Him direct you as far as those things are concerned. That's your faith growing. That's you coming to depend upon him more and more. Number four, it comforts you. Don't we need comfort? Listen, that's why he sent the comforter. But we have the word of God to comfort us. How often do we go to the Psalms just looking for comfort for our weary souls? We just come to God and we're looking for him to comfort us in something. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Oh, listen, there's comfort in the Word of God. There's comfort when you're reading through it and you're looking to God. And look, everybody in this room has their favorite parts, their favorite portions, their favorite verses maybe. But you know what? When you go through the whole thing, it's God comforting you. God reaching out and touching you. God, God showing you His love and His care for you all through it. It shows you how to live. You know, the greatest mistakes you and I make in our lives are areas where we disobey the Word of God. Sometimes unwittingly, sometimes we don't, we don't know. Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, verse 29, He said, ye do err, not knowing the Scripture. You're getting it wrong. And the reason you're getting it wrong is because you don't know the Scripture, nor the power of God. And, you know, we can get it wrong when we don't know the Scripture. When we don't know God's way, when we don't know God's plan, when we don't know what God is doing or wants to be doing in our lives, it's easy for us to err, to get it wrong. Yeah, I can look back at things I did in my life, and, and you know, if I'd known what I know, I'd never done those things. But when you know Scripture, the principles apply in your life. The principles actually apply. You know, when it comes to business, listen, Scripture principles apply in business. God always has a plan and a way for everything. He wants to lead you and guide you in your life. And when you, will, when you will obey him, he will actually lead you and guide you. And he comforts you. And then he guides you. 
And we make mistakes because we don't know the scripture. Look at John 8, 32. Many of you know this verse. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, there are not a lot of peop- free people in this world. This is a world full of bound people. They're bound by all kinds of things. They're bound by all kinds of issues in their lives. They're, they're chained by them. But you know what? The truth makes you free. It enables you to live free in this world. It enables you to live above the norm, away above the average. It allows allows you to depend upon somebody stronger than you who's able to enable you to get it right in a world that's getting it wrong. Listen, God has a plan, and his plan is good. And listen, his plan is to make you free. But you know, the truth for us is very often that when it comes to freedom, we're bound in areas that we don't know what the Scripture says that would set us free. Now, I suppose that as long as you're reading the Scriptures, God's going to be dealing with things in your life and setting you free from things. But he can't do it apart from the Scripture. He can't do it apart from the truth. God wants to set you free. He doesn't want you living, you know, listen, just, you know, one step above the rest of the world. He wants you living free. He wants you living as his child in this world. One of the things that, that most impresses me about Jesus is he was so free. Nothing they could throw at him stuck. Nothing they could, that, that they could do to him brought him down. You know, whatever they did, listen, he was Jesus. He just rose up and he was free. Even on the cross. If you read the scenes of the cross, he's free. Nobody else is. They're all bound. They're bound by their fears. They're bound by their greed. They're bound by their, uh, their hatred of him. But he's on the cross and he's free. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He's free. He's not bound by any of it. Listen, you can be free, but you know what you're going to be, what's going to make you free? Truth. Truth that's taken into your life and applied and lived makes you free. The world can't make you free. You know, they've got all kinds of plans and all kinds of psychological deals that they're, uh, they're going to help. They, they can't make you free, but God can. The truth can make you free. And number seven, <clears throat> the Word of God brings success. I want you to look with me at Joshua chapter 1. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. If you were to ask me, how will I be successful in 2013? I would say to you straight up the word of God. Take the word of God Read the Word of God, apply the Word of God, and it's going to make you successful. Now you say, but Pastor, I've had courses in business. 
And they say exactly the opposite of what the, what the scripture says. I would say obey the scripture. You need, the, you need to do it the, God's way. Because here's the truth. The truth is that blessing comes from God. Not from the world. Blessing comes from doing it God's way. Blessing comes when you actually follow after him and live for him. That's where blessing comes from in your life. Not from the world's way. And when we take and we actually apply ourselves to following his truth and to following his way, you know what? <clears throat> Our lives are going to be blessed. And we're not talking about just money. The world's idea is that if you have a lot of money in the bank, you're, you're, you're prosperous and you're blessed. Listen, there's many a poverty-stricken man with lots of money. He's got poverty in his soul. He may have the money, but you know, he, he doesn't have anything to go with it. Prosperity is much better than that. Blessing, the blessing of God is much better in your life than just money. It's God wanting to take your life and lift your life and, and, and pour out blessings on your life and use your life and bring you on in your Christianity. There's blessing out there. I've told you this before. You know, <clears throat> look at the people around us. You know, we got saved 25 years ago now. I look at the people around us then and where their lives have gone. And it's, it's incredible how different our paths have, have become. It's incredible how different our lives are. And you know, <clears throat> it's basically because we got the scripture, began to learn, began to apply it, began to grow, and God was able to bless. And that's the way it works in your life. You take the scripture, you begin to apply it. You've, you're going to have times in your life where you look at the scripture, what it says, and you look at what the world's demanding of you, and you're going, you're, you're, you're going to be in a dilemma. Go God's way. And what you're going to find is, listen, God blesses. That you're going to know success in your life because you're following hard after God. You come to raising your family, raise them by the book. God's book. Listen, there are so many pop psychologies out there for raising a family. So many. They come and they go every generation. You know why they come and go every generation? Because every generation they fail. And, and so they've they got to get a new one going for the next generation. Listen, there's a way of raising your family that the book declares. Do it God's way. Just take plain and simple the word of God and do it. And hang on there by faith and trust God to do what he said he will do. And depend upon him to do it. God will always come through. God never fails in his promises. He never ever fails in his promises. Listen, do it God's way. Take this word of God that God has giving us, given us. Read it. Apply it. Get into it. Give your heart to it and soak it up in your soul. Learn God's ways. Learn about him. And learn to live like people were meant to live. It's different to the world. But you know what? It's the way of life. It's the best way there is. Learn to live the way God intended for you to live. Learn to depend upon him. Learn to depend upon his spirit. And you will find, listen, <clears throat> it is a blessing. And I guarantee you, if you go through the Bible this year and you stick at it, and you may, you may fail. Listen, catch up. You miss a day. You miss a couple of days. Catch up. Put some time aside and catch up. You go through the Bible this year, I guarantee you, you'll do it again next year. And you'll continue to do it. Because it's sweet. It's not some chore that you have to do. It's a blessing. Don't just focus on the little portions of Scripture that you enjoy. 
come to the place where, listen, you're going to get the whole counsel of God. You're going to get all that there is. You're going to get, you're going to get well and truly immersed in the Word. And you'll find it sweet and it's blessed and you grow in it. And <clears throat> passages last year that were difficult for you, this year don't seem so difficult. They seem much easier. You know, and you begin to grow and you begin to connect it up in your mind. You begin to look at it and you begin to look at the whole picture of God. And you know what? You begin to look at something that's good and blessed. And then you see fruit in your life. Listen, what God is calling us to in terms of his word is a good thing. I would challenge you. Listen, 2013, get into the word. Get into the word. Read through the word. Get as much out of it as you possibly can. And <clears throat> listen, if you fail, listen, don't let it get you down. You, what you do is you backtrack, you, can, you continue on, but stay in the Word and develop a new habit in your life. Develop the habit of spending time in the Word every day. And I guarantee you, you'll notice changes in your life this year. But 20 years from now, you'll be amazed at the changes that's wrought in your life. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes in your life. Don't shortchange yourself. This word is integral to your Christianity. You're a new believer. Listen, you absolutely need it. Uh, you've been around for years. You still need it. You're always going to need it. In fact, the, the longer you live, the more of it you're going to need. Right? George Mueller used to read through the scripture four times in a year. Every year he would read through it four times, go through it four times. Apart from study and everything else, he would just go through it four times. Uh, I think in the last few years of his life, he went through it more than that. You know, listen, get into the Word. Get to enjoy it. Get to be blessed by it. It's your communion with heaven, and God will bless you through it. Right, so let me challenge you. 2013, if you haven't done it, listen, make this the year that you do it. If you have done it, listen, plan on it again. Plan on going through it again. Plan on spending that time with Him. And develop a habit of life where if you go out without the Word, you feel like you've gone out on a winter's day without your coat and you're turning back to grab it, develop a habit of life that you're going to spend in the Word, spend time in the Word every day. That's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your love to us and for your goodness. And we thank you for the Word. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you bless in hearts and lives today? Lord, <clears throat> there is a decision to be made. There are, there are hearts to be turned over to you. Uh, Lord, we know too, Lord, that when it comes to habits, Lord, they're hard to kill, and Lord, good habits are hard to take on. Oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you move in hearts and lives now in this time and deal with us. Lord, bring us to a place, Lord, where we're truly submitted, yielded to you, and Lord, where we're reading through your word and enjoying it. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Let's all stand quietly to our feet. The piano is going to play, and as God is dealing with you, and you want to make a commitment to him, step out of your seat and come and make a commitment. You say, but that's public. Yeah, that's public. What you're doing is you're making a commitment. It's between you and God, but there are other people watching on. And listen, in this year, uh, make it your heart's desire. Make it your passion to go through his word. But as the piano plays and God is dealing with you, step out of your seat and come and do business with him.